pray. Our loving Lord Jesus, we make that our prayer to you today. Would you make it so that whatever else there is that we come in here with today, that over the next few minutes, by the power of your Spirit, you would make us so that we can honestly say there's none but Jesus, nothing but you, that we delight in you, that we know the freedom of knowing you. And not just in here, but when we walk out the doors, I pray that you would in fact lift us each up and help us to realize that we, when we pray, we're praying to the big, awesome, in an overused word, but the truly awesome God who loves us more than we can imagine and who can also do things that are just not even conceivable in our lives, in our church. And may we walk out with that confidence and more importantly, with a sense of your presence throughout this whole place, not this physical place, but this place of believers. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being that one to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, good to see everybody. And uh, let me just uh, start, because i got to start today with something a little personal, a little uh, commercial-like. And that is, this summer, you're going to have awesome worship. We already know we've got a wonderful uh, worship band and really moving uh, stuff. That's going to happen. You're going to have a lot of fun with that. And uh, this summer, we've got some great messages coming up. You're going to hear about that a little later in the service uh, with some uh, really good messengers. I'm really excited. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, also, though, the reason I'm talking this way is because you probably already know uh, that I'm taking off at like right after this sermon, okay? So if you don't like those long ones, you're going to say, well, Dwayne cut it short today. But so, um, but going to get in the car, get on a plane, take the group to Israel. Uh, we're going to be there for two weeks. And then after that, I'm on sabbatical for three months. I'm coming back. I love you guys. It's going to be everything I can to actually stay on sabbatical. And um, I'm coming back, though. I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, when I'm not going away, like, up there away. I'm going, I'm coming, I don't, don't give somebody else my office, all right? So, uh, but I, I, I want to say thank you to you, because they made it possible, you know? First time I've done this in, in 10 years, and, and uh, I, at the first service, uh, you gave me such a gracious gift, a basket full of all kinds of great stuff to Sharon and I, and, and we're just so thankful, and we're so thankful for this church, and I am so thankful that you uh, are my church, that I get to be a part of this church family. Now, before I OD on my bliss, uh, let's get on with the message that the Lord wants to teach us today, I believe, that kind of wind up this Dare You series. As, as I've gotten ready for this Dare You series, and as I've gotten ready for this uh, event, and, or this week, and, and going to Israel, and uh, I've been studying the book of Acts about what the first church uh, did and what happened, and that's why we've been kind of dipping into there. Um, and there's a thought that came to my heart and mind about how we pray because I've, I've seen how they prayed, okay? And I just want to fly this by you. I want you to see what you think. Check this out. God is not offended by the bigness of our prayers, but he could be offended by our refusal to pray big prayers. See what I mean? 
Uh, and I'm not, I'm not comparing our prayers or your prayers or my prayers. I'm just saying what the tendency is for us in the 21st century, for me in the 21st century. Uh, my guess is, is that we're not that different. The tendency is, is to pray, uh, you know, smaller, smaller prayers. And, and I, I wonder if that really frustrates God because it doesn't really put him to the test. It doesn't really um, ask him to expand our trust, expand our faith, and just kind of show us what he can really do. Because, you know, we're just not sure we're ready to go there. And if God really did what God wanted to do, maybe it'd scare us to death, all that kind of stuff. You see, I, th- I think for, for Christians, think about this. This is for Christians. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, we're so glad you're here. We always have a few people who aren't sure where they're at in that. But this is for Christians, so you're off the hook, okay? So this is a good day to be here. Um, Christians, as Christians, most of us pray in, in 2019, and, you know, and I'm, I'm making a broad generalization here, but we, 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 our prayers are made up of uh, you know, prayers for ourselves, prayers for our family, and two or three sick people, right? And then the other prayers, they can get kind of absurd, you know, give me a parking place, uh, Lord bless this food, which I got no, there's no problem with thanking the Lord for the food, we should thank the Lord for the food, but actually blessing food, blessing means that you have a sense of well-being, that food can't sense anything, it's an inanimate object, so I'm just saying, I just wonder what God thinks of those kinds of prayers. Now, understand me, I'm not saying we should throw out any prayers that we pray, big or small or however you want to categorize them. I'm not saying any of that, not not saying that, but I'm saying maybe we should think about adding to some bigger challenging prayers to that, because here's why. If we just pray for ourselves, and if we're just praying for the the needs that we see around us and, and, and a couple of little things like that, what happens is we start to get really ingrown. We start to look toward ourselves. And what happens in churches like that when they got a whole church full of people like this. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about us. Uh, I'm talking about our neighbors or, or whoever, you know. But, you know, if, if, if you, and I'm not worried about us. I'll talk about that in a second. But, but if, you, if, if, you, we, if over time people kind of pray for themselves and get kind of self-focused, self-focused, pretty soon you have a whole church of self-focused people. And they become, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, uh, the, the building becomes a church, and there are a bunch of church people in it, and so forth and so on, and, and uh, the, the focus uh, becomes, begins to be on what my opinions are, and my thing is, and pretty soon, self-focused people start getting sick of each other, and that, you know, you know where that goes, that devolves into something where, you know, a bunch of self-focused people uh, get together, and they go, and they start another place and another place, and they call that building church, and, and the same thing happens again. And, and I'm, we're not in any danger of that at, at all. Well, what I'm saying is, is here's what I know about you. I know you can hear the challenge on this because I know that you are a people who doesn't ask God for things just so, you know, you can have it kind of self-focused on yourself. We're not dreaming for dream's sake. We're not dreaming or asking God for money's sake, for example. We're not, we're not asking God to do something new for newness sake. We're asking, when we say, let's, I dare you to pray big, we're asking to do what Jesus simply taught us to do. Jesus taught us to pray beyond uh, the everyday, but to pray beyond the, the money questions, beyond the medical science questions, beyond all of that, not to, that we leave that behind, but we just make sure that we add to that, God, do something incredible through this situation that I have no idea how you're going to work this out. Those kinds of prayers. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you knew this. Everybody knows that Jesus taught us to pray through the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray all the time. And by extension, teaching us to pray. And all, most of those prayers are pretty big prayers. 
In fact, I invite you to turn with me in the book of uh, Matthew to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 35 to sort of get us started in a thing that Jesus uh, teaches us about prayer before we jump to the book of Acts and see how they implemented it, how they, how they lived it out. In, in Acts chapter 9, what we see here is Jesus inviting us and inviting his people, the people of, of the Jesus movement, Jesus followers, he's inviting them, inviting us to pray a really big prayer. And here's the big prayer. He's inviting us to pray that God would motivate people, that he would motivate all of us together in one direction, in the direction that God has planned for us. That's, that's a big prayer. Because you see, bigness isn't just about numbers and, and, and size out there. It can be big in here. Have you ever tried to change a human heart? Are you married? Right? I mean, you can't, nobody can do that. That's almost impossible. Have you ever tried to get a group of preschoolers together and get them to go in one direction? How about teenagers together and go in one direction? Oh, here, here's a big one. How about their parents to get together and go in one direction? Or possibly the most difficult challenge of all, to get a whole bunch of baby boomers together and get them to go together in the right direction. Four fingers pointing back. I mean, that's the kind of thing he's saying that we should ask God for. As the crowds are coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, here's what Jesus' response to those crowds is and what he teaches us to pray about. Look at this, verse 35. When Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. We talked about that last week. He had this visceral gut reaction. He cared about them that much. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They had no leader. They had no care. We saw that last week on the feeding of the 5,000. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Look at all these people. But the workers are few. We need more. The, tw the 13 of us is, aren't going to do this. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So it's, here's Jesus in the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he's, he's, uh, that, that's sort of the context, and his reputation is growing so much early on in this, in this ministry that it's just, you know, the, the crowds are just coming. They're all over the place, and Jesus is healing. The, these people are seeing people that they've known who are blind all their life, seeing again. They're seeing people that couldn't walk for all their life or, or for long times or for decades get up and walk. They'd never seen anything like that. But no human being can honestly do that, right? I mean, it, this had to be a, a superhuman person. I mean, they must have seen you. Hey, there goes Frank. He's walking. Look, yeah, I know. He, he was healed by Jesus yesterday. He stood up all night just because he'd never done it before. It was just pretty crazy, right? And so they're, 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 that's the kind of experience they're having, and that's the kind of experience that they're seeing. And Jesus tells us right here what it means to pray big. He has this compassion. He sees them like sheep without a shepherd. And he's saying, man, we got to get to every single one of those. But we don't have enough workers. We need to pray for more laborers. And we've said this before. Laborers is another word for disciple in here or Jesus follower in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And he's saying, pray for those people to go out there and, and touch these people. The harvest is great. You see, what he's challenging us to ask is, how big is your God anyway? Because the bigness of our prayers indicates how big God is. 
It indicates whether we as people and as a church are on track with the mission of God in our lives, right? Here's a, here's a thing that's kind of a rhyming, it's kind of corny, but you know, the church that prays will not stray, right? Did you get that? Church that prays, yeah. See, you're not going to forget that. You can't unhear that. But that's the reality. It's, it's, if we pray big, if we, you know, depending on the you know, level of our prayers, if we're asking God to do those sorts of things, you see what he's telling us to do, and this is a big, big prayer. Pray for more laborers and a bigger mission. God, do more in Happy Valley because everyone is not happy here all the time. And, and do more in Portland through us and through the people of God in Portland. And give us more workers. Give us more. Put it in the heart of more people. Because, you know, putting people in a headlock and guilting them into joining God's mission, that's not Jesus' way. Reaching into the heart and seeing the wonder of what God could do if we just trusted him a little bit more, that is Jesus' way. So what does that mean for us? Well, we're going to talk about that in the fall a little more, I think. Uh, I don't think. I know. But right now, just let me just throw out some ideas of what you might pray about, because these might be on the docket. I'm not saying there are. I'm not speaking for the leadership team right now or anything like that, but just a, a few things to think about. For one thing is do exactly what Jesus prays. Prays for, pray for twice the laborers and the workers to do ministry through Eastridge Church. And, and let me just give you one specific of how that's significant and how that is really important. If, if you've walked down this hall to those little kids down there, those, oh, sorry, those little people of faith, because many of them have bigger faith than us, let's be honest. They say, you know, you say, believe Jesus, they say, okay, you know, that kind of stuff. But they're, they're, that thing is growing so fast, it's above the numbers of the highest numbers that we've ever had for little kids. So these little people of faith need some workers, some disciples, some laborers, some, some people to go down there and, and help. Pray for twice them. And, and the second, another one is pray for half again as many resources and space. As this is being calculated out, but you know what, what we think God wants us to do, it's going to take this much and such and such. What it's going to take is if you take our income, for example, and you cut it in half, and then you add that much to uh, the income we currently get, that's what it's going to take. And it's the same is true with the space in this building. We'll talk about that more in the fall. Or here, here's another one to pray for. This is a big one. Pray for twice the impact in terms of people. I am not saying that you have to gauge things by attendance and so forth and so on because attendance uh, is not a great indicator in the Portland metro area. I have a friend here this morning. I just, we just reconnected over the last couple of weeks. I'm so glad he's here. I'm so glad we got to see each other this week. He's on the East Coast, okay? He's got the same kind of world, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to call him out here, but just make sure you love Bob anybody you don't know because I want you to love Bob. So, um, but... But the, the reality is the same here as there, and that is that attendance and so forth, I, and I'm not talking about you because you're here. I'm, I'm talking about your neighbors, the people that usually sit next to you. A lot of people in Portland and Oregon now think they're regular attenders when they go like once a month or once every six weeks. And so attendance is a lousy judge. What I'm saying is that the impact, the people that are touched by the Jesus movement, by the Word of God in this place, in this city, in this town, that's what we're talking about. Pray for, for twice that impact. And, and then thirdly, this might raise some wild hairs a little bit, and that's okay. Uh, and I'm not saying this is certain or anything like that. I'm just saying I'd like to start praying that we grow to three times the sites. In other words, we plant other sites. We plant other churches in the Portland metro area. 
not right now, <laughs> not in the fall. I'm not making an announcement. I'm just saying, let's start praying. God, that seems impossible to us. How about we start praying for it and just see? I don't think it's impossible for him. And that, that kind of impact. And again, if that scares you a little bit, good. That'll be good. So, um, you know, just pray toward that. Because that's what Jesus is saying here is, 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 is I want you to pray those kinds of big prayers because they indicate how big you think I am and how, how powerful I, can, I am. And as you look at the book of Acts, you can turn there. You'll turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 23 in a minute. But let me just explain to you a little bit what's going on in the first few chapters of Acts. These disciples who were there on the day when Jesus said, pray for these laborers, there's just too many. They took this to heart and they didn't really understand what it meant either until after Jesus' resurrection. And they start seeing this stuff happening. Okay? And, and, and they're praying for these kinds of things to happen. More labor. They're remembering what Jesus taught them to pray. They're praying, you know, hallowed be thy name, and you're awesome, God, and you can provide everything for my daily needs so that I can get on with mission for you. I know that. And they're praying all that stuff. They go to the temple to pray. And as they go to the temple to, to, to pray uh, one day, they're walking up the stairs and up the steps. And as they're, as they're walking up those steps, they see a guy that's lame there. And Peter looks over and says, rise up and walk. And he, the guy gets up and he actually starts walking and dancing around. Well, this really stirred things up. And then Peter does something really bad. He starts preaching. That's bad. I mean, anyway, he, he, he starts saying stuff to these people. Hey, by the way, Jesus died on the cross, but he's not dead, but you killed him. You're the dudes that killed him. And oh, and he's, he's kind of pointing out some of the religious leaders in the crowd, probably. And he's like, oh, man, Peter, what are you doing? And they, they don't like that very much. So they call him in before the council. They call him in for, before what's called the Sanhedrin. And, and uh, the thing for them is, is there's still no body. There's still no body. So, the, so they're standing before the dreaded council, the Sanhedrin. And, and they, they, Peter basically says, what do you... What would you call us in here for? Are, are you wanting to be forgiven by Jesus too? <laughs> which that really stirs them up. And they say, oh, by the way, there's no other name by which that can happen. And they go, oh, no. And, and then pretty soon some people start noticing, man, these guys got some courage. They got some moxie. They're just dumb fishermen. How in the world did they, 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 they figure this out? How did they do that? And, and so, you know, the, the things get more and more stirred up. And, and finally, the council says, okay, okay, we're going to let you go. But you got to quit talking about this Jesus stuff. Just stop that or else, you know, or else. And, and we don't know who said this because of the, the way the text works out, but it, it, it seems like it might have been John because, you know, uh, Peter's already kind of preached his deal. But whoever it was stood up and said, well, you got to do what you got to do, counsel. We got to do what we got to do. And Jesus is God and you're not. So I guess we're going to just have to keep doing what he tells us to do. And so... That fires them up again, but they do. They, they just get them out. They just shove them out and rough them up a bit and throw them out. And in the meantime, the church is praying for them because they have no idea what's happening to them in there. And they have no, you know, you imagine being there with those guys and with, with those people that are praying for, for their friends that, that, you know, everything would work out okay. You know, and they never, they didn't know if they would ever see Peter and John again. And so when they come back, it's like, oh, Thank you, God. Thank goodness. And Luke, the one who wrote Acts and wrote the book of Luke, he's done all this research. He's done all this study. And he's talked to the people. He's done all these interviews to find out 
what happened back there in those days. And he writes down the first prayer, and it's a big one, the first prayer of the early church, that, uh, the first corporate prayer, rather, that, 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 that uh, everybody remembered. He writes it down, and I'm going to show it to you in a minute, but imagine how you and I might pray in 2019 as 2019 people uh, in the culture we're in. I mean, first thing out of my mouth probably, and maybe you're not like me, but I, my guess is, is that many of us are, first thing out of the mouth might be, you know, bless us, protect us, oversee us, work, out, work, work in us, uh, do something for us, uh, you know, build a hedge of protection around us, which our grandparents used to pray like that, but that comes out of the book of Job. Uh, and, you know, those kinds of protective prayers. You know, it'd be sort of like, you know, you see, you see Peter and John, we almost lost guy number one and guy number two today. We had no idea what was going to happen. So here, we got, we, got to, we got to set some things straight here, Peter and John, Peter and John. You guys are not allowed, number one, you're not allowed to, to travel uh, together anymore because we can't afford to lose both of you. Number two, we need to get a whole bunch of Escalades, black Escalades with some guys with sunglasses and little things in the back, and, and, you know, and they're going to protect you as you travel separately. And Peter, 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 could you tone it down on the you killed him stuff? Because that just ticks them off. You know, and could you, could you stop using the R word, the resurrection word, just for a little while? And John, John, why don't you teach something on love? You're getting better at that, you know. You, you really are. You're the apostle of love and all that. And besides, or, or here's, here's an idea. Blessed are the peacemakers. Pe- preach on that, John, because we don't really know what that means anyway. You know, we kind of We'd kind of of want to dial it back and just say, hey, could we just take a chill for a little while, a few days, a few weeks, maybe a few months, and then when things kind of blow over, yeah, we can get back to all that. We can get back to to preaching and teaching that. But that's obviously, you know, as silly as I'm being right now, that's not what they did, is it? That's not what they said. What they said sounds like this. Here's how the prayer went, beginning in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported, that's the church people, the people of the body of believers, didn't know to call it the church back then. They called them the way. Went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard what these elders and chief priests had said they raised their voices together in prayer to God. In other words, a whole group prays together. And here's what they're praying. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and, the, uh, and sea and everything in them. In other words, they're just stopping and saying, God, we just want to remind you, we know who you are. We know how great and awesome you are. We know you're the great I am, and we just want to, we know you don't need reminding because you know everything anyway, but we want to just say it. We want to get it out there. And notice they start with this idea that he's sovereign Lord. A sovereign is a what? A sovereign is a king. You're the king. You're the all-powerful one. And that's sort of, that's kind of an idea that sort of rubs us the wrong way in our culture today, right? I mean, the old idea that, you know, the man is the king of his castle, like God is the father, you know, the father in earth, you know, the king of the castle, he's the king of the home or whatever like that. And that's not really uh, the way people think anymore, is it? (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's more like uh, what I used to do when I would get up on the monkey bars at West Gresham grade school uh, when I was a kid. And uh, maybe you did this too. Um, You know, I get up there and I say, I'm the king of the castle and you're the dirty rascal, Right? Ever do that? Well, you're probably a nicer little kid than me. But, but uh, you know, 
more, dead, more often than not, fathers are thought of as the dirty rascal, right? And I'm, please understand me, I'm not thinking we should go back to the king of the castle days. I'm not. What I'm trying to compare is what these guys do not do and what we should never, ever do is somehow take the cultural value overlay and put it on God. He is beyond and more powerful and more wondrous than anyone can imagine than anyone. He's got, he's got this sovereign power, which means he's in control of all this. In fact, look what they say. They actually quote God's words back to him in verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant and our father David. And here's the quote. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one, who is obviously Jesus, but he's, what they're saying is, is you know what? We, we realize, God, is this is not really about us. This is about you, and we would not blame you at all for being really ticked right now. They're after you. They're, they're, they're striking back at you, but boy, do they not know what they're up against. Because they, they quote this psalm too, you know, the nation's rage and the people's plot in vain and so forth. So these peoples are plotting in vain. These are just the first two words or two, two, sentence, uh, yeah, two sentences, two verses of Psalm 2. We know exactly what God's response is, is when the, when the people's plot in vain, when the, when the people's, you know, blaspheme him or push back or diss him. We know exactly. When the nations think that they're all that, he, we know exactly what God does and what his response is because Psalm 2 tells us. One sentence later, two verses later, in verse 4, it says this, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. See, they, they took all of that and put that into their prayer, just, even though they quoted just the first two verses. It's sort of like what they're saying is, boy, after hearing what those uh, people said in the council, boy, I wouldn't want to be those guys. Mm-mm. In fact, I wouldn't want to be the head of a nation either, Rome. You know, I wouldn't, wouldn't want that to happen. I wouldn't want to be you know, in that position before the sovereign Lord. And then instead of talking about, you know, here, but God, we really need this forth, they're going to get to that, and I think we should always get to that. But the first thing they say is they just lay out what they know about this God that laughs and scoffs at the nations when they rile up against him. Look at verse 27. He said, so here, here's what the leaders did in that day. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. So we know he's an anointed one. Just in case you're new to Bible study, this wasn't a few centuries later. This wasn't a couple of years later. This was a few weeks later after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And it was in the same town and city where it happened. They were still there, and they're saying, we saw it. Man, as discouraged as they were after the crucifixion, Something had transpired, that something being the, the, the resurrection, that had transpired that had completely done a reversal on their boldness. And, and, and look what that says about those, about Herod and Pilate and the leaders of their time. Look what it says. This, this is almost hard to contemplate in the 21st century mindset. Verse 28, they did what your power and will decided beforehand 
should happen. In other words, none of this is out of your control, God. You're completely in control of this. Right here, right now, all the, all the talk, all the smack, all the you better shut up or we're putting you in jail, all the beatings, all the pushing around, all the stuff, even the crucifixion, it put all these people right where you want them, God. This didn't happen by accident. You knew this was going to happen. They didn't know you'd already said this was going to happen. And it's exactly what they did anyway. It's just right where you want them. These circumstances, the situation that we are in, it's right where you want them. Because we just have this sneaking suspicion that you want to do something big. Notice that attitude. Because now we're coming to the part we like the best. We're coming to the prayer request part. We're trying to come into the part of, hey, God, would you give us some of that? That's what we're coming to. Watch what they ask for. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I look at that and I think of Peter and John and I think of these disciples, I think of these Christians, and I go, wasn't boldness part of your problem? I mean, you already got a lot of boldness. Right? I mean, you, and you want more boldness. It's like, yeah, we're not going to just sit here and just rest on our boldness and our, and our laurels. We want God to do the really big thing he wants, to, he wants to do. We want to just tell him that we're open to whatever it is he wants to do. I mean, you know, here, here's a question for those of us who are Christians. Again, non-Christians, you're off the hook. When was the last time you prayed for boldness? Silence. Here's another question. Do you ever pray for boldness? I mean, do we ever pray for boldness in the 21st century? I mean, that, that just seems like a weird request, question. Yet when you think about it, maybe we need a little more boldness. Listen, this is, this is why the message of the gospel came out of the first century all the way down 2,000 years later to us. It was because of a simple message over a singular event that changed people's lives so much and so dramatically and so fast that it shot it out of the first century all the way through the centuries down to us. It was this boldness that did it. God answered that prayer. And he brought the boldness to us. I mean, think about it. You know, nobody pays attention to street preachers anymore. But Peter and John, in those days, they're out there pre street preaching. And 3,000 come to Christ one day. And then 5,000 come to Christ the next day. And, and they're getting threats and threats and threats, and that's a lot for the people that are threatened by that, and they're getting some serious threats, and yet they're just bold, and they're asking for more boldness. They're, you know, they were feeling it, they were feeling it, but they didn't want that to stop what God was going to do. They wanted the courage, the boldness to walk through the doors that God opens. It's not our job to open the doors. It's not our job to smash through human hearts and tell them the truth. It's God opening those hearts in his gentle, and Jesus in his gentle way. But to take some courage for us to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Can I, can I explain why it's important to me, why Jesus is important to me? That takes a little courage, doesn't it? And that's what these guys were praying for. They were asking for Don't let this stop us, God. But that's not the only thing they were praying for. Look at verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders. Have you ever prayed that one? <laughs> 
no, Dwayne, we're not one of those kind of churches. <laughs> right? I mean, and I'm not dissing people if you are from a church like that. The, the signs and wonders kind of stuff. I'm not dissing that. I'm just telling you, one of the reasons why we shy back from that and even thinking about that is because today, the, the, the churches that see that kind of thing generally see and are praying for it within the church. But what these people were doing was doing something else. In the New Testament, those kinds of signs and wonders weren't just for the people who were being healed or those kinds of people who were seeing the miracles. It was for the people out there who were skeptical. It was for the people who maybe had a good reason to be skeptical. People that, you know, you, 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 you pray to God, God, give me the boldness and do some, some signs and wonders. And, and the wonder would be just giving me the chance to have this conversation with this person and know what to do. Because God, my friends, they're just so smart, much smarter than me. And, and they quote people that I don't even know the name of and I've never heard of before. But would you just be willing to do something through me where people would stop and notice and maybe give you another look? They said, oh, that must be a God thing because that person's not generally courageous like that. Or that person's not, you know, that kind of love that I'm seeing between those Christians. I don't know where, I've never seen that before. It must be something real to this. And kind of looking at that. That's the kind of big prayer these people are praying. That's the kind of signs and wonders they're asking God to do. And so the question is, is what if we prayed big prayers like that? Those two prayers of boldness and stretch out your hand. You see, if you're, if you're new to, to Bible study, you need to understand the miracles of Jesus were like this too. He healed people and he had compassion for those people. But that's not the only reason he did it. He did it for the people that would see it and possibly have their hearts changed and open up and listen to him one more time. That's what it was for. I mean, otherwise, you know, he would have made it so those, those miracles stuck, right? I mean, have you ever seen a first century person walk into the 21st century and say, ha, you know, I have been dying to die for 20 centuries and I can't. Jesus healed me. I just, it's miserable. I can't die. No, these people died again. So they had other problems and other needs. Jesus didn't solve every physical problem. But what he did do as he did that in front of those people, and it was so dramatic, it caused them to give God another chance. And so that's the challenge, I think, for us today. To add to our prayer list. To add to our prayer list bold, big prayers. To add to our prayer list. Pray all the, everything you're still praying. Not, you know, don't take anything I said about, you know, what we pray or don't pray or so forth. Ignore all that. Pray what you've been praying, but add to it. The big prayer of God, stretch out your hand and do what only you can do. You see, I, here's the thing. You and I were designed by God, our creator, to long for things and desire things that are actually possible. In other words, what I mean by that is that longing in us that says, man, it would sure be cool to see that kind of thing happen in my life and in my church and in my place. That means because that's something God does, and that's something he wants us to long for. And, and here's what I think. If we start praying these kind of prayers, we're going to see some things we've never seen before. 
And that doesn't mean anything bad about the things that are, are gone before. It doesn't mean anything bad about us. And, or, you know, what, what I know about you is you're, this is an awesome church, and I am so thankful to be here. That's why it's going to be really hard for me to go on a sabbatical and stay away. But we're, we are an awesome church, but we're not the kind of church who's just going to sit here and just, you know, wait and see what happens. We want God to keep going. We want him to do more, and just, that's what these people are doing. And, and look, what, <clears throat> look what happens in, um, in, in the, as a result of this prayer. Luke, I think, from, from when I, how I can read this and kind of look, looking at the uh, prayer a little more uh, as deeply as I can, I think he's going, you know, let me tell you what happened. I don't fully understand how this all fits together, but look, look at this. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Prayer number one, answered. 32, all the believers were of one heart and one mind. Where do you see that? That's a miracle when believers, no, that's a miracle when human beings are of one heart and one mind, especially a large group of believers. Sec, uh, in the next one, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. An outbreak of generosity within the church toward each other and then toward people outside. An outbreak, that's a miracle in a self-centered culture like they had in a self-centered culture like we have. They have different reasons for being self-centered. They were being hammered by Rome. We have affluence and we kinda, that kind of drives us toward self-centeredness. But that outbreak of generosity happened. That's a miracle. That's God stretching out his hand and doing a sign and a wonder. And it was none of this, you know, you give God one and he'll give you 10 nonsense. Nope, it was God, this is all yours anyway. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor you that way and I'm gonna treat it like that. You see, here's the thing. <clears throat> this is a great church. I'm talking Eastridge now. We are great. God's done some great things. Good job. I mean, it's just... A, I see, we see it all the time, and I get, to, I get a little bit different window than you get because I get to see it more as a whole. But I'm telling you what, it is a great church. But wouldn't it be cool? Doesn't it something inside you kind of go off and say, yeah, but if, I could just, if we could just trust him more. If we could just be those new wineskins that he could pour the new wine and do what he says at the end of Revelation is his job, and he's up to all the time making everything new. Wouldn't that be cool? And not just for newness sakes, but because God's got stuff to show that we can't imagine. And, and, and what, if we, what if we were so different from our culture became, and the world around us that became uh, obvious, even here in PDX, man, where everything's, you know, about me and me being comfortable and young people go to retire and all that kind of stuff. Wouldn't it be something to be a group of people and the people of God, you know, just kind of contagious across this city? to be others focused and know that God's gonna take care of the stuff and my needs and so forth. Still gonna pray about him, but I'm gonna spend the bulk of my time asking him for that boldness and to do those wondrous things that he wants to do. And finally, a people that just, doesn't something inside you say, man, yeah, I wanna pray like that. I wanna see what God does. Because here's, here's what we know for sure, God loves to answer those kinds of big, big prayers. So that's the challenge today, pray 
What you normally pray and pray for the people you pray for and the people you love and maybe expand that circle a little bit and pray for other people in your church family or people out there that you love that don't know them yet. All that kind of stuff. Do that. But add to it some big, bold prayers. Some things that, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, I can't ask, I, I, I can't imagine or think what possibly God could do. I can't imagine or think how much God loves me. And I I would just like to see him in my life that way. Pray those kind of big prayers. And as I said, I'm going to be gone for a little while. Um, And again, it's not the kind of Jesus gone. It's it's the, I'm just going to be in my house. Um, But would you take out the gift? Remember I told you to get a gift. This is the bookmark. Big bookmark, but it's big for a reason. I think we've got some pray big a magnet. You can use this to stick it to your fridge. You can put this in your Bible. But these are the prayers I'm going to ask you to pray over the summertime. And they're broad enough to say big. God, you fill in the blanks because there's a lot of ways you could go with this. But we just want to get our hearts ready for some things we're talking about in the fall, some things we're praying about in the fall, and, and some things that are, that are um, going to happen. That doesn't mean that the summer's wasted space because every sermon, every message, every worship experience, it all fits in and lines up with this. So I'm going to be praying these, and that's my way of staying in touch, and I'm going to ask you to pray these, okay? Let me just go through them real quick. Pray for bigger trust uh, in Jesus to ask for big things. That's what we've been talking about this morning for boldness, things like that, for stretching out your hand and doing signs and wonders, for bigger worship to go up, knocking down the barriers of post-Christian PDX. It's not our job to knock down the barriers. It's God's job, but it's our job to walk through the wall when they come down. And we need the courage to do that. And that's what we're asking for. And that's the next thing, courage to see Jesus' bigger onward vision for us. You know, sometimes we want to keep it the same like we talked about last week. We want to keep it kind of close in and, and a smaller vision, God, because we can handle that. We're just, uh, we just don't want to get out over our skis where we can't handle it. God says, I love it when you get out over your skis where you can't handle it because I can handle it and I can handle you. I can take care of it. And finally, or fourthly, bigger hearts for lost people out there. And again, only God can give us bigger hearts. Bigger hearts for lost people out there and hurting people, like people in here, or, or even stuff like this. How about this? That, that he would give, if, if you don't have somebody in your church family like this, you know, first of all, you need to find a life group. But second of all, just say, God, would you give me two or three people, or even one person, whom I could go to and say, hey, would you mind reading the Bible with me and praying on a regular basis? Because i just like to have somebody to walk on the way of, with Jesus with. Uh, I'd like to have somebody here with, with me on that walk, that journey. Would you, would you be willing to do that for a while? I mean, pray, or, or, or God, show me that kind of person. That's what the bigger heart is, outside ourselves. And finally, bigger faith because we see God has provided all, I, all we need. You know what? God provides every person everything they need to live the mission and the life and the calling and the wondrous things that he wants to do through and in them. I also believe he done that in this church. All the resources we need, all the space, all the people, all the stuff is already here for what he wants us to do in this season. It is. But what I'm saying to you is, is that sometimes we need to ask ourselves prayers. I've talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again. If you're not really involved in that level, either in your life or, it's not an either or, in your life and in your resources, if you're not involved in that sort of way, in giving of your life and your resources, then uh, I just encourage you to ask a prayer, to pray a prayer to the sovereign Lord. Would you show me if I, if, if I am where you want me to be on that? And do it in the summertime. 
Would you show me if, you, if I'm where you want me to be? And if not, show me where you want me to be and show me what you can do. That kind of bold praying. And I don't care if you pray for these five, all, you know, all five of them every day. I don't care if you take one on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and just pray those weekdays. You can pray them at work. You can pray them at home. You can pray them with your spam. You can pray them with your green eggs and ham. I don't care how you do it. Just want us all to be praying over that. And I know that God is going to answer our prayers if we do this. Let's do that for each other and for him. How about that? Thank you for being here, and thank you for taking those home and doing it. I'm thanking you ahead of time over the next three months. Let me pray for us right now. Our loving God and Lord Jesus, would you please give us those bigger hearts, give us bigger trust in you, give us bigger faith, Give us bigger courage to see those, when we see those walls knocked down, when you see the doors open for the opportunity to serve you and to love you and to love one another in front of other people or even in private, that you'd give us the courage to do it. We pray that you would answer all these prayers. That you'd, you'd remind us by your spirit, hey, don't forget to pray and pray big. And may we go out of here today with a sense of present that not just lasts all summer, but it lasts all through our lives because that's who we're praying to, a big, wondrous, awesome God who sets us free from all our fears. I thank you, Lord, for this church family and for getting to be here and that this is us. And I pray over the summer, I pray in these coming weeks, that you would touch and heal and help every single one of us, every single life, that, and you know more than we know, than I know, and any of us knows what we need. But also that you would do the same for this entity, this body, this people, this organism called Eastridge Church. We're praying big, God, that you'd give us the boldness to see it, that you'd give us the strength by stretching out your hand and doing signs and wondrous things. We love you, Lord Jesus. That's why we pray every day and every week in your name. Amen.